Welcome to Season 6 of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a fascinating journey into the lives of top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories many you've never heard before. During Season 6, you'll hear the likes of Pat Fitzgerald, Ron Rivera, Lisa Byington, Porter Moser, and many, many more. I'm your host, George Hoffman, and please follow this podcast through our partnership with Sports Media Watch. You can find them and this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is proudly sponsored by Vienna Beef, makers of the world-famous Chicago hot dog and a landmark institution since 1893. Find them at ViennaBeef.com. And by Dynamic Manufacturing, awarded the General Motors Supplier of the Year 23 times. This family-owned business can be found at DynamicManufacturingInc.com. This week, we feature the head coach of the Washington Commanders and a member of the 85 Super Bowl Bears, Ron Rivera. I took a lot from both those guys, to be honest, just because of how they both handled people. You know, um, one of the things that, that, that Coach Dicka always tried to reference to us was about taking ownership, about us, you know, controlling what happens, us, you know, disciplining each other, uh, us holding each other accountable. You know, and that was his whole thing about taking uh taking ownership and, and it's something that I'm, I'm, I, I preached when I was in Carolina as a head coach and it's something I'm preaching here and trying to get across to our guys about how important it is for them to, to self-police, to, to hold one another accountable as well as themselves. He's known as Riverboat Ron, but around these parts, he's remembered as Chico. Ron Rivera's resume provides an illustrious career in the NFL, including two Coach of the Year awards while also playing and coaching in a Super Bowl. He was a defensive coordinator for the Bears and their Man of the Year in 1988. He's a cancer survivor with an upbeat approach and the coach of a team with a new nickname. So, Ron Rivera, tell me a story I don't know. You know, God, there's so many that I could tell you. Um, there really are, George. It, it, I mean, there, there, there really are. I mean, one of my favorite always seems to revolve around uh, around Dan Hampton. You know, he, he really, truly was one of the uh, all-time greats and, and should be remembered as that. But, you know, I, I, I think that the, the, the story goes like this. During training camp, Hamp had this, uh, this disdain for uh, curfew. And so one of the things that he used to do is he used to sneak out. Um, Coach Dicka had my room right next to the back door at, uh, at, at, in the dorms at Platteville, Wisconsin. And so whenever Haas would come home late at night, it used to be my room that he would, he would toss rocks up onto the glass and it would tink on my glass and wake me. And I would run to the glass and I'd look out and there's Hamp pointing at the back door. So I'd have to go <laughs> down the stairs to the back door and I'd let him in. Well, what would happen though is every now and then he would do it three nights in a row. And the problem with that is Hamp never practiced in the morning. He always practiced in the afternoon. And so if he missed curfew, it wasn't that big a deal. But waking me up three nights in a row at two o'clock in the morning was a little too much. <laughs> so one day I finally said, hey, Haas, enough's enough. Okay, forget it. You, you, you got to stop, dude. You're killing me because I have to practice in the morning. You don't. He said, all right, Chief, we're good. Don't worry about it. So lo and behold, the next night, guess what happens? I hear that tink of, of, of rock up against my window. And I open up and there's Ham. And he points at the door and I look at him and I wave and I close the drape. And I don't go down and open the door though. I lay back down. So a couple of minutes later, I hear another tink up against the, up against the, uh, the glass and I open the glass up and I wave at him this time and I wave my finger. No, no, no. 
close the drape, I turn the lights and off and I lay back down. All of a sudden he throws a, his flip-flop up against my window. <laughs> and so I, you know, I heard the big slap this time. So I open up my window and my drapes, I look down at him and I flip him the bird and basically tell him, no, close the drape again, turn the light off. And all of a sudden he threw a brick through my window. <laughs> oh, I had a feeling that was coming. Oh yeah. So, so did I. <laughs> Oh, George, I run downstairs. Now I'm really pissed at him. I said, listen, Haas, that's it, man. I I'm going to tell you right now. When they ask me how did I break my window, I'm going to say, Dan Hampton threw a rock through my window trying to wake me up at 2 o'clock in the morning because he had broken curfew. And he said, no, Chief, calm down, man. Chief, I said, no, no, no. I said, that's, you know, that really, that, Haas, that's too much. And he looked at me and said, I said, all right, dude, give me the check. I made him give me my weekly check that we used to get for a training camp, which is like $1,000. So he signed over his check to me, and, and to this day, I never told Coach Dick. Washington was the 11th team to change its nickname, and it was an exhaustive search started under really controversial conditions. In mm. the end, Commanders was the choice. So what do you think of the name, and were there others you thought were in the team photo? Yeah, you know, I, I like it. I've, I've come to, to, to taking a shine to it. You know, part of it is because of my background growing up in a military family, my dad being an Army officer, you know, and, and living around Army bases and on Army bases. Commanders kind of suits me pretty well. I'm fine with it. I really am. Um, you know, and, and you're right. It, it was kind of interesting because having gone through that um, in terms of, you know, the whole social uh, outrage about, you know, the, the former Washington Redskins, mm -hmm. um, and then changing it to the uh, Washington football team, for lack of a better name at that point. We went through a two-year process, or a little more than a year and a half process, where uh, we had almost 25,000 submissions of fans and, and people sending in their, their, their names that they thought would be perfect, would be appropriate. Um, and from my understanding, we vetted those. We, 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 we got it down to, uh, to about uh, 2,000. They vetted that number and, and and they took a smaller number something like 500 of them i think to a to a committee of people that kind of vetted those and went through them and got it down to about 100 of them and then they vetted that and got them down even to a smaller number and before we knew it when when i got involved i think we were at 20 and they showed me the list and said you know tell us what you think uh, give us your top five mine were commanders sentinels Red Hawks or Red Tails, Red Wolves, and the Washington football team. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe were the five that I had pretty much felt I, I really liked. Folks, wait, let's not drag it out, Jason. What's the, uh, what is the new team name? Doug, what is it? We are the Commanders. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Commanders. What were some of them that didn't make the cut? Oh, there was um, Generals, Admirals, Hogs. That was another one of them. Uh, people love that because uh, I get it because it's, uh, sure. it's a reference to the, uh, the, the great teams of, of Coach Gibbs and those those hogs that, that that blocked up front for the team. Were there a few of them, Chico, that you looked at and said, you got to be kidding me? Oh, yeah, there were a whole bunch. And, and <laughs> it was, you know, some people were trying to be funny. Some some were, you know, some were, were absolutely serious. Um, but the ones that really got the most ground, uh, that, that gained the most ground were uh, were Red Wolves and red tails. The red wolves, obviously, you know, because of the whole um, howling and everything, people thought you could really turn it into something that the fans could get into. The problem with that were that there are red wolves already. 
especially collegiately. There were the Timberwolves. And, and I think, you know, all that stuff got into marketing issues, legal issues. And so that was something that really kind of took those out of the, uh, out of the equation. And then the Sentinels was one that was really intriguing. But, you know, because of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers, um, it's guarded by the Sentinels, a detachment from the military. And we did not want to, to, to do anything that was disrespectful to that group. Obviously, there was a lot that went into that. You just mentioned you grew up in a military family. Your father was a um, Puerto Rican commissioned officer in the U.S. Army. So you grew up on military bases, Germany, Panama, Washington, D.C. I was in Panama on a cruise, saw the Panama Canal. But you don't have exactly what one would call a wonderful story about your time there. Tell me a story. I don't know about that. <laughs> that, that I'll tell you right now. I, first of all, I love my experience in Panama. I was the perfect age. I was, I was a, a teenager, early teenager. And, and we got to do some unbelievable things. We really did. You know, we, 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 we learned to water ski. We learned to spearfish. Uh, snorkel, scuba dive. I mean, we did all kinds of things. I mean, we would be water skiing alongside ocean tankers that were going from one side of the Panama Canal to the other. I mean, it was really, it was a neat time. Um, and it's a tropical rainforest. It's a jungle. It, it, is, it is beautiful. And to be able to, to hike through it and, and see the, the animals that were there. I mean, I saw a, a boa constrictor that was, you know, 10 feet long. I saw a python that was 17 feet long. Saw crocodiles and caiman fishing and, 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 and seeing the size of the, the bass, the sturgeon that you can catch in the lake. Um, but one thing that they had too were vampire bats and mm. they were huge. So I'm not a big fan of scary movies because of this, because we went and saw a Dracula movie one time, one night uh, when I was about 14 and we were coming home and this freaking bat just swooped down on us and freaked us all out, mm. me especially. And for like the next three years that we lived down there, I wore a crucifix around my neck uh, <laughs> because of that. Um, and I'm telling you, when you know, as big as these bats were, it, it gets your attention, especially walking out of a Dracula movie. I can tell you that it was, I don't know how many years ago, well over 25 years ago, I am covering a White Sox game. I come home at night open the door. My peripheral vision is, I think there's a pigeon flying in my living room. Mm -hmm. Turns out it was a bat. Now, how he got in there was through um, a flu where there's a fireplace. I had to get an exterminator. Okay. Middle of the night, guy comes in, a kid, he's 17 years old, traps him. Okay. Trapped the bat. Then we were told we had to wait outside the next day until dusk. I said, why? I said, well, you could have a colony in your building. We said, what do you mean a colony? It could be a hundred bats in your chimney. What? A hundred? Are you crazy? Yeah. Turns out there were none, but that guy who trapped the bat 26 years ago is still my exterminator. So <laughs> you see, I'm the same as you. I don't like bats as well. Did you know General Motors 2021 Supplier of the Year is located in Hillside, Illinois? Dynamic Manufacturing not only remanufactures transmissions for the likes of GM, but also as a state-of-the-art facility. Its capabilities include engineering new or existing products, along with manufacturing, machining, logistics, and re-energizing used batteries for electric cars and energy storage systems. I've seen their operation firsthand, and their nearly 1 million square feet of operating space is extremely impressive. 
Dynamic was founded by the late, great John Partipillo in 1955 and is still family-owned and operated by the next generation. For more information about Dynamic Manufacturing, visit their website at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Dynamic Manufacturing. Honor the legacy. Pioneer the future. I want to go back to your days as a bear because you're known as Riverboat Ron. That's a nickname, I believe, given to you by the fans and the media when you were in Carolina. But here you were known as Chico. Who gave you that nickname and why? Um, when I first got to the Bears, obviously, Buddy Ryan was still there as the defensive coordinator. Um, and Buddy took a shine to me. Uh, and one of the things that Buddy had a tendency to do was he would give you a nickname. And that was who you were. You know, Buddy either called you by your jersey number or your nickname. Well, one of Buddy's favorite TV shows was the old show Chico and the Man. And he thought I looked a little bit like Freddie Prince. And so he, he nicknamed me Chico. I mean, what self-respecting mug is going to hit your cash register, Ed? All he's going to get is 64 cents in an empty shot glass. I've been in business around here longer than anybody else. Why didn't they invite me to join? Well, Della would love it, will you? I certainly would not. Then why'd you ask? I just wanted to get my refusal on record. <laughs> Come on, Ed. This group can help us. You know, Della carries a lot of weight. What was kind of funny, um, what was apropos about it was, during practice, Coach Ryan, Buddy, would, would have me stand next to him behind the defense, about 25, 30 yards behind the defense. And he would signal defenses in. He would call plays from back there. And he would ask me questions. Why do you think we're doing this? What do you expect out of that formation? When they shift and line up like this, what do you anticipate? And he was basically teaching me and grilling me on, on what, to, you know, what to expect and whether or not I was paying attention and learning. And so it was really part of my formal education as a, as a football player. And little, little did I know it was also going to be my formal education as I was learning to become a defensive coordinator. So you're being coached by Buddy Ryan, considered then as the best at his craft, and by some guy named Ditka. Mm -hmm. So what lessons did you learn as you eventually ascended to becoming a head coach? Well, I mean, I took a lot from both those guys, to be honest, just because of how they both handled people. You know, um, one of the things that, that, that Coach Dicka always tried to reference to us was about taking ownership. Whose fault do you think that is, Danny? Whose fault? Whose fault do you think that is? Quarterback all the way. Yes. I told you switch quarterback. About us, you know, controlling what happens. Us you know, disciplining each other, uh, us holding each other accountable, you know, and that was his whole thing about taking, uh, taking ownership. And, and it's something that I'm, I'm, I, I preached when I was in Carolina, the head coach, and it's something I'm preaching here and trying to get across to our guys about how important it is for them to, to self-police, to, to hold one another accountable as well as themselves. Don't lose your mind. Don't let them get inside your head. You've got just as much skill and ability as anybody on that damn field. You're too good. But you've got to keep your mind in the game and stay focused, all right? Don't let him get to you. You are too good a football player to worry about. With Buddy, it was always about the common goal, you know, about us as a team, us working towards winning together, you know, um, how it was a divide and conquer, you know, it was, was always us against everybody. And I love that approach as well, because when you have a common goal, when everybody's working in the same direction and pulling in the same direction, that's an amazing thing. Um, and how Buddy endeared us to him, how, how he got us to buy in and believe in, in, in what he was coaching and teaching. I think that was a tremendous thing. I really do. I mean, my education, my learning was just tremendous. 
Well, I don't think there's a lot of argument that the Bears had arguably the best defense possibly in that one year in the history of the NFL when you guys went to the Super Bowl and won. Ditka, as we all know, is quite a personality and constantly made news during his time as the head coach of the Bears. Now, you were a player rep for part of your time here, so that meant you and Ditka had some, how shall we put this, rather very interesting meetings. Yes, we did. We had some great conversations about things. And one time in particular, I'd come up to see him about something, and we were sitting around talking. And he, So we started talking. And he looks at me and goes, you want a glass of wine? I said, excuse me? He goes, you want a drink? <laughs> I said, sure, why not? So he poured me a glass of red wine. And we sat there and we talked. And he looks at me and goes, you always seem to come up and talk about certain things. He said, well, I am the player rep, and when things come up, when guys have questions, guys, you know, want to know things, you know, they ask me to, hey, ask coach about this, find out about that. Okay. So I did. And then one particular conversation we we're having, you know, he said, well, what's on your mind? I said, well, uh, personally, he said, yeah. I said, why are you always on us? Why, you know, I mean, you've been riding us pretty hard. You've been getting after us. I mean, you know, and he looked at me and said, Ronnie, let me tell you, he called me Ronnie sometimes every now and then. I said, Ronnie, let me tell you this. I would never ask you guys to do anything that I couldn't do. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, think about it. Everything I push you guys to do, the way I get after you, that's how I was treated. And I made it through. And I believe you guys could do the same thing. He said, I'm not asking you to do something I couldn't do. That, that would be impossible. That would be unfair. I thought to myself, damn, think about this. This guy's a Hall of Famer. And all he's trying to do is live, have us live up to his standards. And, and I thought that was, that was great. I really did. I thought that is something that I could, I could sink my teeth into and understand. So from that point on, I don't think I ever really complained too much about him pushing us because I realized it's what he believed we were capable of. And is that what you used when you became the head coach of the Panthers and now uh, the Commanders? Exactly. Because I, I believe asking these guys to do certain things, it didn't kill me. <laughs> so um, I figured if it didn't kill me, it shouldn't kill any of them. And, and so, you know, I, I try to hide them, hold them to, 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 a, to a high standard, the same type of standard that, that Coach Dicka held us to. And, and, you know, it's one of those things I think, you know, as, as if the players understand that, I think that helps them. I really do. And, 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 and that's something that I got to make sure and, and make sure everybody understands that all I'm doing is ask them to do stuff that I've done that I've been part of. Want to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know? It's easy. Just follow me on social media, at George Offman. That's O-F-M-A-N. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please follow or subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M 
Noom.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. We resume with Ron Rivera on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. When you became a Bear in 1984, the first player that you encountered was the incomparable Walter Payton. Yes. What an experience that had to be. And let's be upfront, did he pinch your ass? No. Oh, my goodness. You're a cult no. of one. <laughs> no, not till later. <laughs> when we first met, it, it was an amazing thing for me because, um, you know, I got drafted in the second round. I was the 44th player taken in the draft and head to the airport, get on a flight, don't land in Chicago till around 10, 1030. So they took me straight to the hotel. Next morning, they told me, hey, we're going to come by, pick you up at seven. We'll take you to the facility. That way you get to meet coach and see Mr. Tobin and, and uh, we'll go from there. So they drive me there. I remember going to Lake Forest, walking into the facility and the first bear I meet, first player I meet. Is Walter Payton, who was standing in the uh, in the locker room, and he comes up to me, and, and I'm looking at this guy, and he's slapped together, man. You know, he's he's, he's right around five ten, solid, looked about two twenty. Puts his hand out, we shake hands, and first thing you feel is you feel that firm grip he has, mm. really firm. His handshake was very very firm, and he looked me in the eye, and he goes, "Hi." My name is Walter Payton. It's nice to meet you. The voice did not match the personality. It really didn't. I know. Um, and it was it was an amazing thing because that was my first thought was, oh my gosh, that does not fit who he is. And so I thought, wow, you know, uh, that's an amazing thing to 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 get to meet him. Um, but I will tell you this, so he he was phenomenal. He was one of the the conduits to getting me to being a coach in the NFL. He really is. He, he's, he's, he's responsible for me to, to be, for me being on the sidelines. In what way? Well, you know, when I first retired, I did like everybody else, you know, I, I did some radio and TV and some other stuff. Um, but I really wasn't happy. Um, it's not who I am. I mean, I'm a football guy. But that's what I've done. I've been in football all my life, most of my life. So one day when I was covering the bears, it was their opener, and I, I want to say I believe it was 19, or, yeah, it was 1996. It was their opener. They were playing against Cowboys at home, and Walter and I were on the sidelines, and I was covering the Bears for a sports channel and for um, 
WGN WGN radio. And I'm standing next to Walter and we're watching the game and certain things were happening. I would say, man, I, you know, they should do this and they shouldn't do that. And I would listen to the coach and I, don't, I disagree with what that coach was saying. And he looked at me and says, he said, do you really think about coaching? I said, all the time, Walt. He goes, why don't you come by and see me tomorrow? Come by my office. So I go by his office and we sit down and we talk and, you know, and, and he said, well, if you really want to get into it, let me call Mr. Ed, Ed McCaskey. Mm -hmm. So he calls Ed. Ed thought it was a great idea. So he told, he told Walter to tell me to come by and see him on Wednesday, which I did. We sat down in the office, had a great conversation. And he said, look, Ron, he said, the, the, the season's already started. But when the season's over, I'll talk to Coach Wanstead. And we'll go from there. I can't promise you anything, but we'll go from there. So true to his word, Coach Wanstead called me. I went in, we sat down, we had a great conversation. Coach was wonderful. And, and I owe an awful lot for having given me that opportunity. But he gave me the opportunity to come in. And I initially, I volunteered. Because he told me, he said, you know, Coach, and Coach, he says, you know what, Ron, we, we've had a lot of guys come through and a lot of them haven't stuck with it. And I said, well, I'm going to be different. I promise you that. Believe that. I'm, I'm, I'm different. So we started, I went through OTAs, a mini camp, got into training camp, wrote a job proposal and description. And, um, and lo and behold, I guess how I got my job. Really something. Tell me a story. I don't know about the time that Peyton sent you an intriguing holiday card. Oh, <laughs> so anyways, it, it's, it, it's an interesting one because he, he forgot to send out Christmas cards that year. So he had what he called New Year's cards. And in it, in typical Walter fashion, it's a picture of him grabbing the, the waistband of Matt Suey's gym shorts and pulling them out when he was uh, lined up in the uh, I formation. Matt was his fullback in his stance. And you can see Walter's got the back of his shorts stretched out. And of course, it goes peeking into the future. <laughs> <laughs> And, Boy, and that sounds so much. Great. I got a summer. I kept the card, so I'm, I'm gonna. That's something I'm gonna look up. But it, it's kind of funny. I can tell you, if you put that on eBay, you would make a fortune. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, all of Walter's <laughs> stuff I've kept. By the way, I was looking at the Super Bowl shuffle. You weren't in it. What happened? Yeah. Well, this is what happened. We we lose that night, Monday night to Miami. We fly back right after the game. Remember back then, Monday night started at nine o'clock East Coast time. So as we're flying home, it's, you know, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. We're not landing till like 7 a.m. And so from there, we had to go to the studio and from the, you know, and they were going to, they were going to film it and, you know, do whatever they did. So I figured, shoot, that's an all day thing. I, you know, and I couldn't imagine a lot of guys showing up. So I didn't show up. And there, it turned out there was a number of us who didn't, a number of us who did. And in fact, if you really look at it, there's a few number of guys that they had to blue screen in, you know, like the fridge and Walter, Singletary, Jimmy Mack. I'm the punky QB known as McMahon. When I hit the turf, I've got no plan. I just throw my body all over the field. I can't dance, but I can throw the field. I motivate the cats I like to tease. I play so cool, I aim to please. That's why you all got here on the double to catch me doing the Super Bowl show. You know, they weren't there for the shooting of it. So they blue screened those guys in. And, you know, and lo and behold, though, the thing goes platinum. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't in it. 
No, and uh, but it's really kind of a cool thing. It really is. Why didn't the Bears go back to a second Super Bowl? You guys had extraordinary talent for a good six, seven years, and you only went to the Super Bowl once. First of all, Jimmy Mack gets hurt in the Green Bay game. I think that really shook us. And, and if you go back to it, that's the one position that, that we, we never really got back to having a, a, a field general like we did. Because the crazy part, and you're right, George, if you think about it, at the time, we were the youngest team to win the Super Bowl. So going back is something that, that, that you'd like to believe could have happened or at least should have happened. You were um, the Bears' defensive quality control coach. You left for stints in Philadelphia, San Diego, returned to be Lovey Smith's defensive coordinator in 2004. You were named the assistant coach of the year. That's a pretty good you know, that's a pretty good accolade in 05. The Bears went to the Super Bowl the next year. Then, boom, you were out. What happened and why? Well, I think the biggest thing more than anything else was Jerry Angelo, pretty much from what I understand, was the guy that hired me. And this was an opportunity for Coach Smith to, to hire his own guy. My contract was up, and it was something he wanted to do. So it was business, and, and I understood that. Coach Smith was, you know, he was honest with me about it. He was up front, and so because of that, I had no issue because it was business. And, and that's the thing everybody has to understand. This game, as great as this game is, it comes down to business. And, and you have to look at those. You can't be emotionally charged when things happen. And I didn't. And I really respected Coach for because he, he, he talked to me about it. He was upfront about it. He made no bones about it. So I respected him for that. To this day, do you ever wish that you were the head coach of the Bears? I don't want to say yes because I don't want to get people upset. But I will say this. And to quote a, um, a friend, there is a little bit of bear left in me. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Your run in Carolina was very impressive. You lasted there nearly nine years. That's a long time mm -hmm. in head coach speak. You made the playoffs four times, the Super Bowl in 2015. You had to be very proud of that. Yes, I am. You know, if there's one thing I, I, I learned from my run, is how important it is to have a quarterback, to have a healthy quarterback. Newton is chased, got away from Ninkovich, dancing, gets away from Chandler Jones, setting up space. There goes Cam. Add to the highlight reel that one. Newton to midfield. That might be the greatest play I've seen Cam make in a long time. If you go back and you look at the two runs that we had in 18 and 19, after six games, or eight games, I should say. At one point, we were six and two. And Cam, shoulder and, and foot were bad in those two years. And when he couldn't play, that's when we had our troubles. That's when we had our struggles. And I think that's the thing people have to understand. This is becoming more and more of a quarterback league. And, and if you don't have a quarterback, if something happens to your guy, you've got to have somebody more than a backup to become the steward of the team. Because for the most part, if your backup is a guy that can get you to six and six, you know, 500, that's what you are. You're a 500 team. But if you can find that backup that's just a little bit better than that, um, that helps. And, and, and so in 2018, 2019, that, that was tough. But my first seven years uh, were phenomenal. I, I absolutely loved it. But my last two were a struggle because of that one factor. We still had a lot of good pieces in place, but unfortunately, you, it's tough to overcome that quarterback loss. 
Vienna Beef, two words synonymous with hot dogs. They're the home of the Chicago hot dog and an institution since 1893. If you've had a hot dog, chances are it was from Vienna. And did you know there are more locations selling Vienna in Chicago than McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's combined? There's nothing like biting into a juicy and delicious pure beef Vienna hot dog. Drag through the garden, which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and some celery salt. And oh, those Polish sausages dripping with flavor. And look for the spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar, creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available in restaurants, grocery stores, and entertainment venues such as the ballparks, cups, and socks, stadiums, museums, and zoos. Plus, you can purchase them online, coast to coast at ViennaBeef.com and on Amazon. And remember, Vienna is not just hot dogs and sausages. Look for their farm makers' chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at ViennaBeef.com. As you well know, Ron, coaches and managers are hired to be fired, and you were in Carolina, but it seemed like a split second later, you were hired by the Washington football team. Were there any other suitors? There were, but there was something about Washington, about the challenge, about the opportunity that I really loved. And one of the things I love about it, it was one of the originals. This team was founded in 1932. It's got tremendous history. It's got five world championships two world championships and three Super Bowl championships. I would love to get a team like this back to that type of glory because of the fan base. We go places today, my wife and I, my family and I, and first, some of the first things people say to me, oh man, I grew up a Redskin fan. That's what they would tell me. And I go, wow, really? He said, oh man, we used to go to RFK. And I said, I remember going to RFK. I remember playing in RFK during their heyday and how competitive they were and how boisterous their fans were. It was incredible. And I would love to see us return to that because I know what a traditional fan base is like. You go to Chicago when they're playing well and you see those fans and you, you, you know their passion, how much they love football and they love their bears. So to me, it's the same thing here. These, these people love this Washington football team. And we've got to get to that point where we can win games consistently and get them back in the stands and have them there to support us. What has the experience been like in the nation's capital, particularly working under a rather controversial owner in Daniel Snyder? You know, one of the hard things, more so than anything else, is, is you'd like to see us be able to go forward. And so to me, what, what you want is, I get it. Some of these things happen and they've been dealt with earlier and they're being brought up again. And so for me, the thing I try to get people to understand is, okay, that was before me, all right? What we're trying to do is focus on where, where we are and where we're headed as a football team, more so than anything else. And, and, and I've tried to you know, keep it that way. And I get it. I know how hard it is for some people to get past these things. Um, and with all due respect, I understand how serious some of these things are. I get that part of it. But for what I do for coaching football and trying to keep it separated, um, it's been a little bit of work. It's been a little bit more than I've, I've anticipated it being. But at, 
the end of the day, if we can keep it going for a certain way, I think we'll be better. You mentioned quarterbacks a few minutes ago. Your team signed Carson Wentz as the starting quarterback. It was not received very positively, Coach, by Commanders fans and certainly the media. What well, are your thoughts? Well, I, I think just to clarify it, though, George, it, it wasn't well received by the people that are on Twitter. Let, let, let's, let's, let's be that. Okay, let's okay. be honest with that. And, and not everybody that loves it is on Twitter either. So I think it's been received the way it should be received for us, and that is – um, with, uh, with, with, with a lot of positivity and some skepticism, which I think I, I struggle with people not willing to give people opportunities or chances at times, because I, I do know this. This guy has been successful. Lentz for the end zone. Open touchdown! Jahan Nelson! Okay, he's had some really good run. The year they won the Super Bowl, dude was 11-2 and two until he blew his knee playing his butt off for his team, trying to give them every opportunity and chance. Remember, they had home field vantage throughout the playoffs because of that, because of how hard he played, because of the commitment he made. I mean, this is a dude who, who did everything he can to help his football team. And then he earned the starting job back, got a big contract, and then for whatever reason, he fell out of favor. And those things I don't know, but for whatever reason. I do know he had some success in the Indy, and, um, and for whatever reason, he was available for trade. So we made a trade because he's the kind of guy we want here because we believe who he is, believe in who he can be for us and what he can do for us as a football player. So we're excited about this opportunity. We really are. It wasn't long after you were hired by Washington that doctors discovered a lymph node in your neck, cancer. I've already interviewed Eddie Olchek and Mark Silverman from ESPN Radio. I'm sure you remember him about dealing with cancer. Mm -hmm. How did you deal with it? And how are you today? First off, you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was, I was upset. I was mad. Mostly because, you know, a lot of things were heading in the right direction. The pandemic hadn't really kicked into full force. You know, we had just started summer, you know, and, and, and I felt a lump in my neck, came home from my summer break, spent a couple of weeks in California with my family and my parents and brothers. And when I got back, saw the doctor and he basically told me, you have cancer. And it really kind of honestly pissed me off. And the reason being is because it was so positive. So many good things were happening and we were just about to start training camp. And once I got past the initial shock of it, you know, then, then obviously there was concern and, you know, trying to figure out what the game plan was. Um, formulating our plan on how we were going to attack it. You know, what doctors were I going to see? Who was going to be my doctors? Uh, we, went into, we went into overdrive to do all that stuff and do it the right way. And we listened and did exactly what we were told. And we were able to beat it. And I'm very fortunate. I just had my second, my second annual and everything came up negative and the doctors are, are feeling really good about it. I still have three more years where I'll have to do an annual just to make sure. And we'll continue to, to, to monitor that. But uh, George, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've been very blessed to be able to, to say that we found it early. And because we did so, it was highly treatable and highly curable. I'm very relieved to hear that, as I was with, uh, with Eddie here and, and, uh, and Sylvie. I end all these interviews the same way, Coach. If not for football, what would you have been? <laughs> you know, I think uh, something to do with service. And by that, I mean 
serving the community at, at one point. And, and I could have honestly seen myself being the first responder, a firefighter, something like that, and then coaching, you know, coaching on the high school level. I just think that I've been very fortunate. I mean, you know, football has been very good to me and my family. And um, because of it, I've been able to do things that I've done. Uh, one thing that I, I, I try to make sure I do as a, as a football, former football player and now a football coach is to give back to the community. Um, I don't believe you should just take. And because of that, I try to give back to those that support us, those that get behind us. Um, you know, Stephanie and I have always been involved in the communities that we've lived in uh, for that special reason. And we just want to make sure they know we appreciate them. I've had the good fortune of meeting and interviewing many, many people in my career. And Chico, you are among the finest. I wish you the very best success with the commanders. And thank you so much for telling me a story. I don't know. All right. I appreciate you, George. Thank you, man. My thanks to Monday Night Football on ABC Sports, the Today Show on NBC, Fox Sports, and Qatari Productions for those wonderful highlights. And my thanks, as always, to the people behind the scenes that helped make this wonderful podcast possible. T.J. Reeves for putting us on the map, Will Hatzel for his crafty editing, and Nick Tochi for our wonderful graphics. Tune in next week when we feature another intriguing guest on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.